This morning we're continuing in a sermon series that we have been sharing in together throughout Lent called Finding Joy in the Journey. How is it in in everyday life? How is it in our struggles? How is it you and I can hold on to the joy that the Lord wants us to have, that the Lord wants to give to us? And we'll see in our text today, not just now, but for forever. I hope this has been a blessed series for you. And again, if you ever... Please call the church office, email me if we can ever talk about it. Today our focus will be on eternity. What does the Lord have to say to us of heaven and how that ought to bless us with his joy? My father-in-law was presiding over, preaching at a a funeral service. And this couple had had decades together in marriage and had had what he thought to be, and and everyone believed, a wonderful marriage, and the man had died, and so trying to comfort that man's wife, at one point during the funeral, he said, listen, we all know of the great love that they had as a couple, and uh, just just to encourage us this day, and to encourage you to, to whoever that wife was, I just want you to know your love will go on and on. And then he walked through the rest of the service, and afterwards, that wife uh, came up to Dr. Joe, and he thought he would get a pat on the back or thank you for, for blessing me. He did not receive that. Instead, he got these words. I said till death us do part. I didn't say nothing about the hereafter. <laughs> so she had done her time. <laughs> She had kept her covenant, but I ain't married to him in eternity. What's your perspective on heaven? What's your perspective on what comes after? We joke a lot about heaven, right? I just Googled it this morning for fun. I'm not going to share any of those. They're terrible jokes about how you get into heaven. They're all works righteousness anyway. But I just said jokes about getting into heaven. And the first website said 138 jokes about heaven. Let me tell you something. There are not 138 verses about heaven. In terms of describing what heaven is, you get very few depictions of what this is heaven. You get more depictions and you keep reading. Read the next verse. I'm not avoiding those verses. I just want to center in on joy this morning, but read the next verse. You get a lot more pictures of what life looks like in eternity without God than you do as to describing what heaven will be. But as we see here, there's so much for us in these verses about keeping that coming reality, that hope, and that joy before us. Every preacher who's been here has preached the parable of the talents. You've read about that in Sunday school as a child. You know what the heart and the purpose of this passage is. So you're already versed in that. But there there are some other reminders here for us, too, as we go about life. When we're having a season of real struggle. And maybe we're just not feeling it. Now, we've said throughout these weeks together, joy is not emotional in scripture it's spiritual but it's just like God he doesn't talk a whole lot about happiness but throughout the scriptures whether it's the book of Job 
or the book of Psalms or what Jesus has to say. It's just like God to say, I want you to have my joy in your heart. And listen, it's been hard for many of us. I just, I, just in filling out our annual statistical data reports that we do for the conference, we lost more people to death in our church family than in any year that I've served here. It's been a hard year. And now you add on to that, many of those families had to wait months for the service. It's been a difficult season. Maybe you're in a, in a, in a, in a struggle with a, a child or a parent. Maybe it's the way that this pandemic has, has forced so much of, uh, in the workplace of having to adapt and pivot, and you're just burnt out. Wherever it is, we're at Palm Sunday. And, and as sweet as it was for the people of God on that day to praise Messiah coming in to his city. As Renee reminded us this morning, the next days are not good at all. How is it we hold on to our joy in a time of struggle or maybe just in a time of spiritual dryness, whatever it may be here? I love what we get in Matthew about heaven. And how you and I, if we keep our eyes there, we can know the joy and encouragement and reassurance of the Lord. How far can one man's eyes really see? It's a great song by one of my favorite Christian singers. How far can one man's eyes really see? If you Google that and look to it, they say it's several hundred kilometers on a good day. They even reported in 1923 that there was an expedition led by somebody's name I will not try to pronounce, but 700 kilometers. They could see snow-capped mountains away. It's still too short. It's still too short. And that's where we can live. We can just live with our heads buried in work, our heads buried in a phone or just staying with Netflix or whatever it may be or letting a problem keep us down or the, the next game I've got to get my kids to, the next pressing business need, yet another community group pulling me for my time and attention. And sometimes we can just say, I just want to get through this day. If I can just climb into bed tonight and we keep our heads down, and Matthew's reminding us of what is waiting for us and to keep an eternal perspective on all those things that we are called to do. I love what C.S. Lewis said. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. Matthew is going to talk a lot about heaven. You know this from Bible study and Sunday school, because as a good Jew, we believe he has trouble saying the name or the word God. Just out of reverence for that sacred name, I'm just not going to use that word. So when I talk about kingdom of, I can't say it, I'm going to, I'm going to call it kingdom of heaven. 
Because I don't want to say that word God out loud as a good Jew. I want to have a, a right reverence for that. So you're going to get this word heaven a lot there, but it's, it's very true. Christ has come to win heaven for us. And when you see Jesus normally in the other gospel saying kingdom of God, Matthew says kingdom of heaven. But then we get all kinds of other references to heaven throughout Matthew's gospel. He's keeping that before us because let's, let's, let's be honest. There are times we don't feel it. Now listen, it may be a point where we need to check our spiritual lives as well if the joy of the Lord is not routinely, it's not going to be every day, but if it's not routinely there. Before there was Billy Graham, there was Billy Sunday. And he had a tough word to say. He said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity. Another uh, writer, or weather, Weatherhead said, the opposite of joy is not sorrow. It's unbelief. This again, if you and I have faith in who, and we'll get to this in a minute, who he is and faith in what he desires, his joy can and will come. And so we get this great parable of talents. What is it you do with what's gifted to you? How is it you and I are stewards? These great gifts, not just to use them, but to get a heavenly perspective on them. That these things that are gifted to us, God not only calls us to be productive with them, but there's even a blessing here of, of an eternal perspective that, that when I parent or grandparent well, when I share my time, when I share my gifts, when I, when I don't strike back with my, when I'm hurt, instead I, I, I say, Lord, help me forgive because I have an eternal perspective on that and there's a soul at stake if I do this Poorly, could I push him from you? Even though I've been injured, could I push him or her from you? And I don't want to, I don't want to do that because I have a heavenly perspective on things. How is it you and I will parent differently? How is it you and I will do friendships differently and more carefully because we understand what's coming? How is it you and I will share and give differently? Matthew gives us a heavenly perspective here on stewardship and being careful with the gifts that we are given. Now listen, when we talk about heaven, and we just heard it so beautifully as the choir sang, so much of that's gonna be wrapped up in singing for the Lord. We heard that in one of our hymns as well. So much of, of, of heaven, if you look to Revelation and elsewhere, is just being caught up in the worship of Jesus Christ and, and, and giving praise to the triune God. But there's also this word here, and it's an encouraging word, there's a rewarding that you can enter into the joy of your master and there will be a rewarding. All of heaven should be us just simply at the feet of Jesus in gratitude and praise for what's been gifted to us on Good Friday. But instead, Jesus, who ought to say, yeah, you're right, everything should be about me. He's saying this story in this holy week even with the cross just before him saying, it's just like God to give reward and joy to his people. Whatever's been gifted to you, when you and I give it back to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, there's a rewarding in that. We talked about that Wednesday night. We were looking at Matthew 19 and, and Peter's, Peter saying to, to Jesus, we've left everything for you. Now, I would have anticipated Jesus to drop a little truth and just finally being tired of Peter, you have no idea what I've left. 
You have no idea what I've walked out on and what I'm going through every day. It's not what you get. What do you get? I've got thrones for all 12 of you. And whatever you've given up, nothing is ever lost when you give it to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. It's never lost when you give up, when you surrender, when you say, I'll abstain from things that are not of this world, when I'll, I'll give up a friendship that's toxic and say, that's dragging me down. Whatever you and I give to the Lord, it's never lost. Hundredfold is the word in Matthew 19. It's just like God to say, yes, reward. And then we get to Matthew 25, and it's the same thing. Whatever has been given, ultimately it is never lost. We can hang on to that assurance and that joy this morning because Jesus himself, Jesus himself actually trusts himself to this, to this man on a journey we need to talk about that. When you get to the third person with one talent, there's fear that, 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 that I better go hide this because, because I, I'm fearful of what may happen. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, they're reminders to us again that Jesus Christ trusted his father. John Oswald says that's really the key theme of the Old Testament. Who do you trust? And Jesus, on the cross, as we just as we just heard Patricia sing, think of this. The one who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That's what Patricia just sang for us. He took on sin, bore our sin. And if you read Leviticus well, if you read the Old Testament well, I'm going to take sin, take it on my shoulders, and go before the Father. With that, I'm trusting my Father. I am the perfect sacrifice for the sins of these people and I offer my gift for their salvation. And his father took his life back up again and raised him from the dead. An ultimate act of trust. This is a good word. During Holy Week to these people, there is a joy of your master. There is a reward and you can trust him. Is fear keeping you? Maybe, maybe, is fear keeping you from whatever talent you have using that for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God? I shared the first part of this story with you a few years ago. Uh, 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 our church, a couple of years ago, began to sponsor a ministry called Shade and Fresh Water Project. It's a ministry in Brazil. Most kids are out of school half a day or two-thirds of a day. And so Methodists open up churches for food ministry, uh, for mentoring, uh, for education, but also sharing the gospel. And so we're, we're uh, sponsoring a church in Villa Planalto in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, uh, with that through our church. But we were on the coast with another church uh, uh, ministering there on our first mission trip to Brazil, and, and we walked through this back alley, and my wife and another student were hanging back a little bit. My wife obviously was born and raised in Brazil and knows the language well and the people and was talking with some people. And two people on a motorcycle drove up to my wife and pinned her against a wall and tried to take her purse. They sped away with nothing. Pray for me. So... Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell you the second half of that story, though. 
The second half of that story is we went back to the church there uh, in Petake and told Pastor Nancy, Pastor Nancy about it. We said, hey, just want to let you know this happened. We had somebody tried to steal from our team. Just wanted to make you aware. She was right out the door. And she went to the local drug lord. Now, in Parake, that's where the buses stopped and parked. It was the end, basically, of civilization. And then there were squatters and all these little houses that popped up on public land. And that was just the end. This was the ghetto. This, this was the barrios. This was a, a very... And, and I love that that church placed itself right on the edge. We're right here for you. And Pastor Nuncy then went right to the drug lord's house, started banging on the door, and he opens the door, and there's Pastor Nuncy. He said, can I help you? And this is what was reported to me. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. And she said, we're the only ones. All these other churches here, and they're doing phenomenal ministry. But she said, all these other churches are ministering to adults. We're the church that said we're going to minister to the kids. I'm ministering to your kid. And I've got people who have come from America. They've gifted resources to build our church, to bless our ministry. And you're going to see to it that they are not touched or harmed for the rest of the week. And you know the word she said next? I can't tell you in church. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a curse word, but it's a word I still don't feel comfortable saying. You got that, whatever that word was. Yes, ma'am. You know, that was kind of the, the response. We can be fearful and step back. I love that Nuncy wasn't fearful. She trusted God. She trusted the kingdom work that she had. She had an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective of this matters what we're doing. How is it that maybe fear? I don't, the Lord's just going to, he's out to get me. He doesn't believe in me. I know he only, he only gave me one. They got two. They got five. I've only got one. I'll just hide it. You read the end of that passage. It does not go well for that. How is it we're going to step out of our fear and say, Lord, I'm seeing things. I've got my head up. I see things from your perspective. Souls are at stake. And I want to know your joy. What would you gift to me that I can gift it back to you? We get that picture throughout this word. There is a joy we will enter someday. But also, how is it that someday needs to inform how we go about our relationships and our parenting and our church and our witness today? There is a joy coming Someday, a pastor stood up, said, next week I'm going to be preaching on heaven. I want you here, preaching on heaven next week. And he got a letter from one of the older members in the church who was critically ill. And I want to read that letter as we close. Here's what, here's what that parishioner said. Next Sunday you're to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I didn't buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation since this title is non-transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, 
I've been sending materials to the greatest architect and builder of this universe, and he's building a home there for me that will never need to be remodeled or repaired because it'll suit me perfectly, individually, and never grow old. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday, but I have no assurance that I'll be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked on it for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go, and I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday, but I'm going to meet you there someday. Let's pray about that. Father, for any of us here who don't have the assurance of heaven, Father, may we be reminded again that Christ as we celebrate today, has entered his city this week to give his life for all who would believe. And would we just trust in him, repent of our sins, and say yes to a, to a life and relationship with him that we might know your joy now but also on that day. But also for us, Father, would you give us an eternal perspective over all that we're about, these wonderful gifts, these talents that you have blessed us with, work and friendships and children and church, relationships. Father, may we see them with your eyes. May we see them in the eyes of the kingdom of heaven. And Father, for anybody who today is, is fearful of stepping out, to do the things and to, 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 to give those gifts back to you as you've called us to do. Father, give us your assurance that we will one day enter into the joy of our master. And Father, you will even reward us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus who made these things so. Amen.